listeners is what I'm about to say. You ready? <laughs> yes, I am ready. Yep. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnston Yellen. And if I'm seeing correctly here, I am joined by Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello. Your eyes do not deceive you. I, it is I, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> so each episode of Extra Extra has Joshua or I bringing a new story, often whiskey focus, to the attention of the other. We read in the first half, we riff in the second half, and we try to get out of here in a tight 30 to 35. We've been very good about that through mm. a second season here. Occasionally, we've gone a wee bit longer, but overall, I've been quite happy with us. Uh, yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, we, we hit the mark more often than we don't hit the mark. But when we don't hit the mark, man, do we miss it. We, wink, certainly do. So... <laughs> this is actually the final episode of season two of Extra Extra. It is. Does that make you? Does that make you sad? Does it make you long for season three? Do you feel indifferent? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as you and I have discussed previously, the dearth of usable whiskey news at the end of the year. I'm okay with us closing out the season, taking a very short break, and then returning Wednesday, January nineteenth. So to close out 2021, we have the headline from the Spirits Business, Texas Orders Whiskey and Wealth Club Cease and Desist. And Whiskey and Wealth Club is in capitals. It's capitalized in all the right places. Mm -hmm. And Cease and Desist is in a version of scare quotes that are more scare crows than scare quotes. But here we are. <laughs> Uh -huh. The article is from December 17, and the author is Melita Keeley. And as is our tradition, I'm sure I've butchered that name, so apologies. <laughs> At least we're keeping tradition. 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 <laughs> Subheading. The Texas State Securities Board has issued an emergency cease and desist order to Whiskey and Wealth Club. And I'll be honest with you, before I saw this article in the Spirits Business, I had not heard of Whiskey and Wealth Club. Either have I, but I really like this term, emergency cease and desist. That, I mean, that's serious business right there. It, it is very yeah. serious business. So let's see, what, let's see what happened. So here we go. We're about to kick off the article. Whiskey and Wealth Club claims to be a specialised cask whiskey wholesaler. The cease and desist order cites several members of staff at Whiskey and Wealth Club, Scott Siberis, a co-founder, director, chief executive officer, William Fielding, co-founder, director and chief operations officer, Alex Mook, a manager, Richard Falconer, an advisor, and Benjamin Dunlop, a senior manager. Hmm. And just like the title of this club, I haven't heard of any of those names in the whiskey industry before either. The name Richard Falconer sounds familiar, but I think it's there's a company called Falconer that I think is not tied at all to, to that. So, yeah, I think it's just I a quinky dink. I think they also sang Rock Me Amadeus. 
I'm a Danish. 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 The order outlines the investment opportunity presented by Whiskey and Wealth Club. It said the company is raising capital from investors to purchase whiskey from Bladnock Distillery (parentheses in Scotland) <laughs> at discounted wholesale auction rates. Discounted in, wholesale uh, auction rates. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of numbers coming next. <laughs> investors pay one hundred and twenty-six thousand pounds. For 10 pallets or £63,000 for five pallets, with each pallet consisting of six casks, with each cask containing 200 litres of whiskey. So, 200 litres ex bourbon barrels, we're talking here? Yeah, it's, it's got to be. Quarter casks? Yep. 200 litre is that size, is a barrel. It's not a hogshead. So. You're looking at bourbon barrels. So £63,000 for five ex-bourbon barrels of new make Bladnock. Yeah. Whiskey and Wealth Club registers title and ownership in the name of the investor. It continues to claim, so this would be the cease and desist, continues to claim that Siberis, Fielding and Dunlop are telling potential investors they must provide identifying and contact information and a deposit of £2,000 mm-hmm. that serves as down payment for the investment. It also alleges that they are telling potential investors they must provide this information and the deposit before Whiskey and Wealth Club can provide a contract for the sale of the investment. Now, interestingly here, this is just an aside, so far, we know this is happening. The cease and desist is happening in Texas, but it's not actually clear where Whiskey and Wealth Club is based. Everything we're talking about here is in pound sterling. And well, if they're purchasing from Bladnock directly through some sort of a, a, a broker, potentially, it would make sense that they have to pay in pounds. I mean, when we purchase casks, we, we pay in pounds, so... So I don't see I don't see anything off there, not not as of yet, and 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 I am I'm, I'm building to some commentary for the for the second half, but that's all I'll say. Okay, <laughs> the order also outlines Whiskey and Wealth Club's performance during the pandemic, with claims such as selling one hundred and eleven point two pallets of whiskey for. One million eight hundred and three six hundred and twenty-seven pounds. So, one point eight million pounds in September twenty twenty. An increase of almost fifty-four percent compared with August that same year. So between September and August, they sold one hundred and eleven point two pallets of whiskey. Yep, times six. So basically, six hundred and sixty-six. Casks. The Texas State Securities Board alleges the investments tied to pallets of whiskey have not been registered by qualification, notification, or coordination 
I'm so sorry. I feel like a song was about to break out there. (laughs) (laughs) Qualification, notification, coordination. Like, where's Lin-Manuel Miranda when you need him? Uh, (laughs) This article featuring Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) I do apologize. So once again, that paragraph is, the Texas State Securities Board alleges the investments tied to pallets of whiskey have not been registered by qualification, notification, or coordination, and no permit has been granted for their sale in Texas. Hmm. Okay. The Texas State Securities Board claimed in the cease and desist instructions that Saberis Fielding, Mook, Falconer, and Dunlop are intentionally failing to disclose the business repute, experience, and qualifications of respondent Cyberus, and this information constitutes a material fact. I think you and I have, have said this certainly to, to one another, but legalese does not come easily to us, and legalese quoted and dropped into paragraphs in whiskey news articles. Yeah make even less sense. No, it, and so I'm not sure what just happened in that paragraph that I just read out loud. I all I, I just whatever it is, I think people think it's bad. <laughs> Seems to be. Seems Listen, to be. There's been no qualification, notification, or coordination. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but lots of mastication. Like because I'm really chewing the scenery here. There's gonna be some um, defenestration uh, any moment, the longer this article goes on. <laughs> Here we go. Let's see if the next paragraph makes any more sense. In connection with the offer of investments tied to pallets of whiskey, the respondents are, quote, intentionally failing, end quote, to disclose material facts about the Bladnut distillery. This includes, according to the Texas State Securities Board, the business repute, qualifications, and experience of the Bladnut distillery, and the quality, marketability, and profitability, there's Linwell Manuel Miranda again, of whiskey produced by Bladnock Distillery. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. I, so here you are, you're saying, here's an investment. It's going to come from Bladnock. The, the belief is there'll be a return on investment. But if you don't know anything about Bladnock, the question becomes, will there be a return on your investment that you're being sold as an investment property? Yeah. 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 All right, okay. so we're into another section here. This section is headed emergency cease and desist, mm-hmm. and it's in bold, and I tell you, it's got my attention. <laughs> and it opens with, in conclusion, <laughs> the order said, quote, respondents are engaging in fraud in connection with the offer for sale of securities. The quote continues, actually, for a few more lines here, Respondents are making offers containing statements that are materially misleading or otherwise likely to deceive the public. Mm. Respondents' conduct, acts, and practices threaten immediate and irreparable public harm. The foregoing violations constitute bases for the issuance of an emergency cease and desist order pursuant to Section 23-2 of the Securities Act. Close quote. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. The order instructs Whiskey and Wealth Club 
to immediately cease and desist from offering any sale in Texas hmm. until the security is registered with the securities commissioner or is offered for sale in accordance with an exemption from registration under the Texas Securities Act. The cease and desist order was signed by Travis J. Isles, Securities Commissioner. Okay. The article then closes with a statement from Whiskey and Wealth Club, which I think is only fair, mm-hmm. from the article. In response to a request for comment from the spirits business, Whiskey and Wealth Club said, and this is all quote, all quote, so hold on to your socks. Whiskey and Wealth Club UK Limited hmm. confirms that it has received a cease and desist from the Texas State Security Board on the basis that we are operating as a security requiring SEC regulation. We do not offer securities and furthermore, we do not offer and are not involved in fractional selling. Mm -hmm. We sell wholesale cask whiskey to customers where they purchase in full the entire asset. Mm -hmm. The buying and selling of whisky and the whisky industry as a whole is highly regulated in the UK under HMRC, Her Majesty's RC, Royal Commission. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, whisky, easy, that's the queen we're talking about. Hey, sit down, Hatton, sit down. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not I will not have our today. queen spoken about and, like that. And you know what? I apologize to you and to, and to all of the Queen's subjects. Our Queen does not have a rectum. So just <laughs> knock it off. Knock it off. The quote continues, Whiskey and Wealth Club is fully compliant and holds all required licensing to operate within this jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So that jurisdiction being the United Kingdom according to rules and regulations as laid down by HMRC. The quote concludes... We are working closely with the TSSB, and I purposely didn't give you that acronym above because I didn't think I would have to use it again, but the TSSB is the Texas State Security Board. Yes. We are working closely with the TSSB to educate them on the process of cask whiskey buying and selling and on how our business model works. We will be making no further comment until this matter has been resolved. End of statement. Final sentence in the entire article, Bladnock Distillery has also been approached for comment. Here endeth the first half. We shall see you all in the second after this short interlude. Back to the second half, Joshua Hatton. Thank you. Clearly, this is an area of the industry that we've been talking about at length. We've also got an extra extra devoted to this. We've seen friends in the industry talk about this at length. We've had friends from out with the industry ask if they should be partaking in this part of mm-hmm. the industry. 
given what we're seeing in this article, what's a what's an initial thought for you? Well, the first thing I did is I took the cost of a pallet's worth of of whiskey here, and so they they talked about what was it? Um, if you want ten pallets, then you'd pay one hundred twenty six thousand, and you'd get six casks per pallet. And if you wanted uh, five pallets, you'd pay 63000 So I took that math. I took 63000 I divided it by five and then divided it by six. And that got me to 2,100 pounds. So at this point, all this group is doing is purchasing casks of new make at a fairly standard price that any distillery would sell casks of new make too. If you go to Annandale Distillery, you'll pay anywhere between, say, 2,000 and 3,500 pounds. Maybe they up their prices. I know some distilleries like Ardenaho will will charge 7,000 or 10,000 pounds. But anyway, a typical distillery, 2,100 pounds for a cask of whiskey, that's not... The distillery isn't doing anything that any other distillery who sells casks of new make, they're not doing anything wrong or different, it seems w- what we're seeing here, and, and, and I definitely understand the Texas State Securities Board wanting to hop in here, because these are being purchased as investments rather than being purchased as something you would then bottle and consume, they're saying, where's the security? And that has been what one of many, but but one of my issues regarding the the value of a cask, because you cannot prove to me or to anyone that if you buy a cask of new make, that it will turn into good whiskey or that it won't completely leak out. Or even if you buy whiskey that's matured in cask, you can't guarantee that it's going to be good, that it couldn't go off or get too old or lose strength and not be a whiskey, right? There's so many variables. And the fact that what makes for a good whiskey is subjective and not objective, I can see why the TSSB, Texas State Security Board, is saying, wait a second. That, 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 those are my initial impressions from this article. So you... You left out a part that you normally add in here, which is when crunching the numbers there and you get down to £2,100 per cask and you compare it to other punter programs across the industry, 2100 isn't crazy for a punter who wants to take a punt on a cask, you know, a, a child's birth, a marriage, uh, an anniversary, mm-hmm. whatever it is you're looking to celebrate, if you can get a cask for that price, that's not a bad little price, as you rightly point out. Yeah. Places like Ardenhoe are charging a whole hell of a lot more than that. The problem here is if you're within the industry, if you're a broker, if you're an independent bottler, that 2100 for a cask of new make spirit is really quite high. Quite high. Quite, quite high. Quite yeah. high. Yeah. And, and that ties into what you're talking about with the speculation, mm-hmm. right? If you're buying up 
a host of casks of new make and laying them down for your company, you're saying, I'm willing to take a risk Mm -hmm. of this not all working out fantastically, but I have to get a financial break on that. Correct. And so I'll take new make spirit off your site today and put it in casks to then see where we go. And then I think we now come back lovely to your point, which is if you're speculating here and you've already bought at a higher point on the the buy-in scale here, Mm -hmm. and you need this to turn into something, and you're looking to get a return on this investment, you're engaged in a very different enterprise than whiskey has traditionally been engaged in. Yes, and could we could we touch on this this idea of of subjectivity when it comes to the value of a cask? Sure. Like it, it's our podcast, we can touch on whatever we, we do, want. We do we want? Run with five gangs. You know, it's interesting that the distillery in question is one is one of a handful of distilleries that has had a history of releasing questionable bottlings. <laughs> you know, their quality hasn't, well, they haven't had consistency. Yeah. They've had some whiskeys that have been off the charts good. And then they've had some whiskeys that have been off the charts not so good. It's also a distillery that is one of the lesser-known distilleries. It's a lowland distillery, uh, mostly silent for for many years, and recently purchased by uh, a, a yogurt magnate out of out of Australia. And I just find it interesting that they were able to that this this company what were they called uh, Whiskey and Wealth Club that they were that they're working specifically with Bladnach and getting people to invest in Bladnach, which historically speaking, and I'm not trying to talk shit about Bladnach, but it'd be one of, one of a few distilleries I would not want to invest in if I were an investor from a liquid standpoint because they haven't proven themselves to produce consistently delicious whiskey. They're still working off some of their older stocks and blending in some of their not-so-great stuff in with some of their better stuff. Maybe what they're producing now is great, and maybe this concern that I'm trying to convey is all for naught. But if we're looking at history, it's an unusual distillery to be investing into, and it makes me wonder... Last thing I'll say, it makes you wonder if the TSSB would put in place an emergency cease and desist if they were laying down casks with McAllen or the Glenlivet, right? And that's exactly what I was about to add on to your comments mm-hmm. here, is this, this cask investment business that's kicked off in the last couple of years has really done it on the back of McAllen, Glenfiddich, Glenlivet, mm-hmm. right? Real, you know, they were showing you could buy a mature cask of McAllen 
this year and get a spectacular ROI, return on investment, next year, right? And and that, to me, is how this... Uh, this is how this in, part of the industry started to metast, 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 metastasize, 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 and that's how this side of the industry began to metastasize, <laughs> and now to to bring in Bladnuck and new make is to really work on a. a, a different proposition mm. here and, and and this is this is to say of course that you and i have spoken out about cask investment previously because it we think artificially inflates the price of casks it's having a, a knock-on effect within our side of the industry yeah. where getting older stock is is much more difficult the pricing has gone bananas because and i think this circles back to to what you were saying previously, it's not being purchased to be bottled to be consumed. It's being bought and sold as an investment property. Yeah. And that's just really annoying and frustrating. And the potential loss of money is besides all of that, mm -hmm. right? We're much more annoyed that it's affecting our industry as opposed to somebody might lose their shirt. I also don't want somebody losing their shirt here, but I also want us to be able to continue to afford casks of whiskey. We're now 2100. I had this conversation with Jess just the other day. We were offered some stock that was five years old that was going to be running maybe 2,000 pounds a cask. Mm -hmm. And if you're a punter, you go, oh, that's a great price. That's, that's an absolutely fantastic price. I then looked over some of our corporate lists. It's a terrible price. It's an absolute garbage price. Terrible, yeah. Right? Because we're still in the business of maturing, re-racking, bottling, selling, tasting. Whiskey. It's whiskey. Let's not forget it's whiskey. <laughs> what is it again? <laughs> whiskey. Whiskey. <laughs> yeah, it, just really, really, really quickly here for our American listeners who have heard you use the term punter and they may not know what a punter is. It's basically a consumer willing to take a just chance. Just a consumer? Just a consumer, yeah. Just a consumer. You know, we find ourselves, too, in, in, in similar situations where, you know, years ago, if someone owned a cask and said, you know, they, they purchased a cask from a distillery and they don't know what to do with that cask because dis most distilleries don't own their own bottling halls, right? They'll sell you the cask. They'll let the cask mature in their warehouse. But once it comes time to bottle, they say, well, you're, you're on your own at this point. And then when it comes, you know, if you're an American consumer, when it comes time to import, you're, you're also kind of on your own, right? And, and so this is a position that a lot of people find themselves in. So if we, you know, if we rewound the clock, rewinded, rewound, rewound, the clock, um, <laughs> you know, five years ago, you know, we found ourselves in a, a really nice position where maybe it wasn't even five years ago, maybe it was four years ago, I don't remember the year, but where there was a private owner of a Port Charlotte cask 
that we purchased from them and we bottled and we were able to sell it at a very good price to people. Though people who owned the cask got a good price, plus they got bottles, everybody was happy. Yep, yep. And now we're in a situation where casks are being sold with certain assumptions, and those assumptions are always wrong. Those assumptions are that um, are that bottling doesn't cost anything, that transportation yeah. doesn't cost anything, yeah. that there yeah. aren't taxes and duties yeah. and VAT yeah. and importation fees and margins and all this stuff. And so when people yeah. approach us now and say, hey, do you want to buy this cask of X, you know, Glen Whiskey, it's a 25-year-old. And you say, okay, well, let me, let me take a look at that distillery's own 25-year-old. What's it selling for? Okay, it's selling for 300 pounds. Okay, cool. For us to be able to sell it for 300 pounds, we would need to buy it from you at X, to which they say, wait, wait a second. Why would it have to be that much? I mean, if, I, if they're telling me I'll get 200 bottles from this cask, and I divide it by X, well, there's your price. Say, yeah, but we have to move the cask to our bottling hall. We have to pay people to bottle it. We have to buy the glass. We have to import it. We have to do all of these things. And, and by the way, we're a company that needs a profit to grow, and we need to pay our employees. Yeah. And, and, right? and, and this is the situation that, that these investors find themselves in, and I think in the short term, There'll be investors that will buy casks and will sell casks and, and will make a bit of money. But in the long term, we've talked about this before, people are going to find themselves losing money and losing it big time because the industry won't be able to handle all this that's been going on. Well, and, and just to kind of, <laughs> there's two aspects of this. One, one I'll just mention in passing because I did mention it during the reading as well, but I, I've been rereading it here just this sense that 666 casks were sold between August 2020 and September 2020. And, and that's a 54% increase over what had happened in August. Like This is a lot of casks roaming around. And what's one of the things that's propped up the investment market is that there's not a lot of McAllen single casks yeah. say from the 80s yeah. lying around there's not a lot of single casks of Springbank from the 90s lying around that's where the value is coming from is the scarcity mm -hmm. and if you're just lying down <laughs> hundreds and thousands of casks you're this is the beanie baby model right if everybody's yeah. buying it as a collectible then there's no future in it then there's no rarity in yeah. it Right. And so that, that part was really interesting to me. But then down at the bottom, when we talk about, uh, you know, the buying and selling, this is the quote from the, the whiskey and uh, the whiskey and wealth club. The buying and selling of whiskey and the whiskey industry as a whole is highly regulated in the UK under HMRC. Yes, you need to have a wauger to buy casks of whiskey. And to then just have these organizations set up to say, we'll have the Wauger and we'll buy 
cask of whiskey in your name and we will store that cask of whiskey in your name for some period of time. It's kind of undoing the idea of companies having wowgers <laughs> so that they can buy and sell and bottle casks. Yeah. And I could see HMRC coming down on how many casks of whiskey are you really allowed to own and whose name do they have to be in and can you just be a punter again, a consumer, who instead of buying bottles, you just buy casks and then you just sit on them and you see if you make money on your investment. HMRC has to look at this corner of the industry and go over it with a fine-tooth comb to see how this is actually working. Yeah, I part of me thinks HMRC should take a hard and fast look at this and really consider, should cask sales be allowed to people who don't have wowgers? Or, probably better said, should cask sales be allowed to those who own wowgers to then have casks under someone else's name? And, you know, f for years and years and years, it was nice, right? You say, I just had a daughter. I want to lay down a cask in her name. <laughs> My son just had his 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 grand, his, you know, his son, and right, and there's there are all these wonderful reasons to lay down your own cask, and it's also very helpful for distilleries, you know, that are trying to get up off the ground to have people purchase casks and, and things like that. But we've hit a point now where people have found a loophole. And it's being abused. 100%. And, and it's negatively affecting business, long-standing businesses. When we have friends from independent bottling companies that go back nearly a couple of hundred years say, this is messing things up for us, well, maybe you need to reconsider the current model. And when I say you, I mean HMRC, need to reconsider the current model because uh, it, there are some serious, what's the word I'm trying to think of, Jason? Repercussions. There are serious repercussions uh, based on the current investment, quote unquote, investment activity going on at this time. Yep. And the number one thing we always say, if you're going to get into this, be very careful. Very careful. Because <laughs> because when you get out of it, it, it may not be in the manner in which you hoped you'd be getting out of it. A hundred percent, yeah. It, it's whiskey, it's peaks, it's troughs, it's roundabouts, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. uphill, down dale. Um, okay, this is, this is the point at which to end the episode, the season, and the year. Oh, Jason, that's it. This is the end. Yeah, so season three starts January 19. So it's been a wonderful season two with you, Jason. And uh, with you, Joshua. If you want to, if you miss us in the, in the meantime, we'll be gone for all of one week. But if you miss us in the meantime, you can drop us a note, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com or info at singlecastnation.com. We wish you all very happy new year and we will see you january 19 cheers cheers